Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you who do not know me, hey, I want to welcome everybody that is watching us online right now. Hey, thank you for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? Uh, today, I am not preaching today. Come on, I'm, I'm pacing. We're, we're in a series called uh, Reason to Run, and your pastor's pacing himself, okay? Uh, I'm not going to preach 41 out of 42 weeks ever again. I promise you, your pastor's going to pace. And so today, uh, man, we have an amazing speaker today. Uh, first service, I called him a guest, but he's not a guest. This is his home church, and it is just a privilege that we have uh, someone of this caliber of leadership and and. Uh, just the ability to speak into our church. Uh, his name is Dr. Chuck Stecker, and uh, the best thing about him is that he is my friend, and, and man, he just loves this church so much, and so he's going to continue our, our series called Reason to Run. Come on, let's give him the best Passion Alive Church welcome weekend. Let me come to you, Pastor. I love you, buddy. What a blessing. Thank you. Wow. Well, we'll see. Is the uh, sound on? Is that working? How about that? It's so good to be here. And as Pastor said, yes, he's my pastor. Uh, he is my friend. And I love this church. And I love the staff and what's going on here. And uh, my wife and I, Billy's here, just so deeply, deeply blessed that God would bring us the Passionate Life Church. And so just to tell you, uh, this is home for us. This is our home. Okay, yeah, come on. We, uh, we, we have the privilege of leading a Christian ministry called A Chosen Generation. I'm not going to go into a lot. We help churches create a transformational intergenerational culture, bringing the generations together. We have a table there. There is information. You can pick up a card, help yourself with that. And we have a newsletter. If you'd like to be on that, then sign up. We don't harvest names and just start sending stuff. On the table, there are some resources out there, and I'm going to tell you very quickly. A book that I had the privilege of writing in 2006, it came out, called Men of Honor, Women of Virtue. You wonder what I'm doing, I'll explain. Men of Honor, Women of Virtue, and it's for uh, leaders, parents, grandparents with teens about their faith and rites of passage. There's a book there, 47 chapters, 43 authors, age um, 19 to 86 when this was published. Men, women, everything. Um, 43 chapters, there are 47 chapters, and it's for the Encore generation. The Encore generation's where I'm at. I'll be 73 here shortly, and that is for those that the world says we've had our main performance, this is a book to say, but we're the Encore generation. We're being called back for the next performance, our Encore, which is going to be better than our, our main performance, and that's what that is there. Uh, there's a book out there by one of our board members who lives here locally, 3G Mentoring, and it's how to mentor across gender, generational, and geographical or cultural lines. Okay, uh, incredible, incredible work that she's done. A couple of this, another board member, he's a pastor in Kansas, book at the Blotch on Forgiveness and Grace. It's being translated into about four different languages right now, uh, and they can't keep it in stock enough. And the final one is the family blessing for any family. Here's how this works. One is, uh, probably wonder why I threw them down up here. Those are gifts. So after the service, anybody that wants to come and get those books can come up and pick them up. And that's a gift from the ministry. 
Uh, they have prices on them. If that price works for you, my wife will accept money. Trust me, it goes to the ministry. If a lesser price works for you, whatever that is, works for us. And the third thing is, if today is just inconvenient, don't have your wallet, whatever it is, inconvenient, use that word, you are welcome to take as part of the family anything we have on our table if it will help you grow. And please don't let Satan turn into a, take a blessing and try to turn it into shame and back up there. You just walk up and say, hey, Billy, I want to take Chuck up on his offer there. You're welcome to take anything we have. God's honored that for years and years in the ministry, and we want to continue to try to honor God the very best that we can. I'm so excited with Reason to Run, um, and I, I prayed over this as we started, you know, coming into this, and we're just finished our fast on Friday, whatever you were fasting and that, but I have this, this picture in my mind. When you come out of a fast, there are three different ways that you can finish the fast. One way is, is that you celebrate like you have this great accomplishment. I've seen people do it. And by the way, fasting and making that decision, it is an accomplishment, okay? Don't get me wrong. And you should be proud of being obedient there to what God has called you to do. But many people finish that off thinking that that's the party. We celebrate on that, and then it's over back to normal. And then you have some in the middle just say, well, I was running along, I dropped this, and I fasted that. Now I just pick it up and I continue as I was, right? Here's what I believe. Hebrews 12, 1 tells us in there that we are to take off everything that encumbers us. It says strip down. Actually, this is crazy, but in the Greeks in the Olympics, I mean strip down almost nude because they didn't want anything to slow them down as they were running. And God tells us in that, take away anything that's slowing you down. Got it? And run the race with perseverance. Here's what I believe. When we finished the fast, and Billy and I did that with you as a church, very important to us, and that it was the reason to run is not that we crossed the finish line, but we arrived at the starting blocks. And I mean by that is we took off our running. You see people warming up for races. They've got their running suit on, this and that and so forth. And then the reason to run, they put the starting blocks down. You see them right there marked. And when it is time to start, there is nothing that's going to slow them down. They just have on the bear, and they walk up. That's what I feel like the fast is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to bring us to the starting blocks, having taken off everything that will slow us down, and we have a reason to run because we have a God that created us to run. I want to also tell you here the, the message here. You can keep going on that. Just stay ahead of me. Our, our title here is just simply this. You run to embrace your destiny. Run to embrace your destiny. Now, I want to tell you, if you're watching online, you're part of our family right here as if you're sitting here. would love to have you back in season. You get here when God permits that for you. But you're part of our family here at PLC. But I want to tell you and I want to encourage you. The messages are online. In this series, the pastor last week, our pastor Andrew, took us to the reason to run, okay, was for our purpose. Our purpose. This is about embracing our destiny. So in this, here's the, here's the, the big idea for me. It's very simple. Keep going. Our reason to run is your destiny is waiting to be embraced. Your destiny is waiting to be embraced. And I want to encourage you because I'm going to follow on with what our pastor was teaching last week to us, and I want to pick it up from there. And our purpose and destiny on this, you fulfill your purpose, you embrace your destiny. You fulfill your purpose, but you embrace your destiny. 
You get that? There's an emotional attachment to that. And as we look at the life of Jesus Christ, and I'm a believer that Jesus Christ came, yes, He came to die on a cross for our sins and pay the price. But let's don't lose sight of the fact that Jesus Christ went through everything we are engaged in life in. You say temptation, Jesus Christ was tempted at the highest level by Satan himself, speaking directly to him, right? With some of the greatest offers you could imagine. He wept, he cried, he embraced, he was there for celebration. Everything in our lives, Jesus, with his disciples, they've walked through this with us. So when we look at Jesus Christ, and we say is the example on this in John 6, 38 on this, it says this, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Anybody read purpose there? I mean, I could have easily said, could I not said, I have come down from heaven for my purpose, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. That was his purpose. That's why Jesus Christ, God himself, triune Godhead, and boy, there's so many things I trust God for, and that God himself would come down to us. Can you imagine that? We are, we are a per- participants of a church family, a godly family, to understand and realize that God came down to us. Every other religion out there requires you to perform and try to work your way to God. God came to us. There was no working there. He pursued us. He chased after us. And then, that's the purpose for Jesus. We go to Luke 22, and Jesus tells us here, Father, if you're willing, he's in the garden. Remember this? If you're willing, please remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, what does he say? Not my will, but yours be done. Here's the picture. He is in the garden. He's about to be arrested, and Jesus knows everything. He knows. He's about to be scourged with the cat of nine tails. Many people died in the scourging. They never even made it to get crucified. He knows what's ahead of him. And he embraces it and says, Father, and I love this. I read it because in my mind, Jesus is going, Dad, we both know what this is going to look like. We both know the scourging and this beating and the blood and the ripping of my skin. And he's saying here, Dad, have you, have you got another plan on this thing that could work? I mean, really, isn't that what he said? Have you got another plan on this thing that could work? You know? And then he pauses and he says, But if not, right? Not my will, but yours be done. And we see in these two scriptures here very clearly that here is the purpose of Jesus Christ. Here's the, and, and what he does is he embraces, he fulfills his purpose, and by doing so, he embraces his destiny. And I want you to get this because as we transition into this, you've got to hear what Pastor told us last week. It was, it was, it was, you know, I sat there last week and I take notes, and there were about twice in there, and I told him afterwards, I just put my pen down, and I just had to sit there and listen and soak it in. And it was his voice as he was just coming. But you were created with a purpose. You were created for a destiny. God put this into you as his sons and his daughters. It's not by accident that you're here. You're here for a reason. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. I'm going to give you the one word that's kind of my key word for this. It's actually up there going to be three times. Just say obedience. And then my word is obedience. And then my word is obedience. Let's make sure we got this. What was the word? Let's say it together. That was so weak. Did you really come to church today or what are you waiting on? Let's try that again. 
I like that. That was much better. Thank you. It was encouraging to me, too, because I can't see if there's anybody still out here. I do know if you go out because the door opens and I see some light, but I don't even know if anybody's still here. But we've got obedience is the key thing here. When we look at this issue of obedience, again, let's look at Jesus as the example for us. In Hebrews 5, 8, here's what he says, 8 and 9. Although he, right, was a son. God is referring to Jesus here. And he's telling us, look, he's a son. Just like you're a daughter. And just like you're a son. All of us, we're in the family here. And so he's saying, although he was a son, like y'all, if you're in the South, y'all is singular, all y'all is plural. So he's, he's a son, like all y'alls are sons and daughters. Got it? But he learned what? Say the word. Oh my gosh, so weak when we try to do it with Scripture. Let's try that again. He learned what? Okay, I want one more time. Make sure we get this. He learned what? Thank you. He learned obedience. Doesn't say he was not perfect. He learned obedience. And even in the what we read in Luke, what he said, if you got another way, Father, could you take this cup from me? But what he said, in obedience, whatever you say goes, Dad. That's the deal. But he still asked him, is there another way? He learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, the word there doesn't mean he was made perfect in that. The word there is teleos. It means mature, whole, and complete. So when you use that word, he became mature, which is God discipling us. That brings us to spiritual maturity. We're on a path, right? But we too can learn obedience like he did. And this says, having been made perfect, right, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who would, all who would obey him. Now get this. You ready? Right there, what you see is, it starts with obedience, right? Even though Jesus was the Son of God, He learned obedience, and through which He was made perfect. What does that mean? They use that word teleos, they use it for fruit. When it's absolutely perfect for picking. Meaning that that maturity, it has reached exactly what it was designed to be. Got it? That maturity. And so in that maturity that came from obedience, what happened? He met his purpose and he embraced his destiny. He fulfilled his purpose and embraced his destiny. So here's our key verse for today. You've had a lot of verses, but I know there's a lot of scripture in this, but it's church, okay? All right, our scripture for today, really, the key is Luke 16.10. And in Luke 16.10, what it tells us is, one who is faithful in the very little is also faithful with much. One who is dishonest in the very little, right, is also dishonest in much. Take the word faithful, take the word dishonest, put obedient, because that's some of the base translation. Read this. One is obedient in the little things is also going to be obedient in the big things. One who is not obedient in the little things is not going to be obedient in the big things. Do you get that? So the little things in your life is what God is saying. Let me trust you. And he says, what? To those I trust and you do well, I'm going to give you a lot more. So how do we get that? Fulfilling that purpose, embracing our destiny, it starts with obedience. But we've got to start with the little things in the obedience. And I'm telling you this, through that period of fasting and prayer, regardless of what you fasted, God put some things on your heart. Saints, He did. I'm going to tell you. And you need to pray. And you go, well, I didn't really get Then you need to stop and pray again because I will tell you this. God uses that to speak to His people. And he's telling you little things to be obedient in so he can trust you with greater things to be obedient. Now let's go to the story. And we're going to go to the Old Testament here in this reason to run and talk about embracing this. 
Before I tell you this, you can look at that scripture. I want to give you a background. If you read in just about all of our Bibles and you get to 1 Samuel there in that ninth chapter, what it says, a nation in disobedience. And it talks about how disobedient the Israelites were to God in that time frame. Nothing like our nation today, is it? I mean, we certainly can't make a comparison between, you know, Old Testament and today, can we? That's a whole nother message, really. Okay, so the nation was in disobedience to God. And here's what happened. The Israelites cried out, and they said, we want a king. Well, in those days, you got to remember, here's the prophet, here's God, here's the people. So if the people wanted to say something to God, they told the prophet. The prophet went to God. The two of them spoke. God spoke to the prophet, right? And then the prophet came back to the people. That's not today, because when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, and the curtain was rent, it says, what it means is, it's the doorway to heaven was opened up. Prior to that, there was a place called the Holy of Holies, and only the priests and prophets could go there. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that curtain was ripped open, and that Holy of Holies is you walking in. It's in our church. It's in your home. It's where you live, work, and play. You have access to God. That's what he's saying. But in these days, they go to Saul and they said, or go to, go to uh, Samuel and said, we want a king. Samuel said, well, you got a king. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. And they said, no, it's like, you know, Pinocchio, I want to be a real boy, a real boy. And they're going, we want a real king, we're a real king. And Samuel's trying to tell him, this isn't a good idea. I'm just telling you, it's not a smart thing to do. But he goes to God. God says, go back and tell him. He does. This happens about three times. Finally, God says to him, he says, okay, we'll give him a king. We'll give him a king like all the other nations have. Now, I will tell you this. I've had times in my life where I've looked at this, and I know you all are probably too spiritual and above this, but I'm not. And you've read this, and you go, well, if I was there, here's what I would have done. And have you ever had one of those moments, if I was God, here's what I'd have done to that clown, right? Particularly the guy that cut you off or whatever. God, isn't this where you step in, you know, kind of have his engine die and pull him over? You know, something like that. Not that any of you thought like that. I just I apologize for bringing it up. But I'm thinking in this case here, you know, if I'm God, and I'm not, but the people said, I want a king. We said, okay, you want a king? Oh, have I got a king for you. And I would have given them a stinker. Can I get a witness on that? Yeah, buddy. I would have just given them a stinker. But God loves us too much. So God points out there's this guy named Saul, not Saul of Tarsus that became Paul, New Testament. This is Saul back here, right? And he points it out. When you read the previous scripture, it says, there was no man taller, greater wisdom. And you go through all of this stuff. What a leader. He picked the best of the best in that time. I'm going, that's amazing. Because it shows God's love for his people, even in their disobedience. Any of you, any of you in here are the child of someone or have children? I'm just checking. In California, it's crazy. Okay, really. Okay, but get this. Even in disobedience, don't you still love your kids? Even when your heart is broken, you still love your kids? Okay, so here's God. He still loves us. We make mistakes, all right? So he gives them this. Now, here's where the story starts. What's our word of the day? Anybody remember? Thank you. So let's see what takes place. Now, the donkeys of Kish, this is Saul's father, they were lost. So Kish says to Saul, take one of the young men with you, arise, okay, and go and look for the donkeys. Here's another place here. I've often thought, if I'm, if I'm Saul in this case, I'm heir to the throne. I mean, his dad's like a king. He owns all of this stuff. He's very wealthy. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking to myself on more than one occasion, would I have been obedient? 
or what I have said to Dad. Come on, Dad. In a few years, all of this is going to be mine. All of the wealth, all of the slaves, all of the servants, all of this, all of the donkeys, all of the other stuff, it's all mine. I don't need to go do this. You've got other people that can do the little things like this. But get this. When the king sends his son, the whole world changes. And that's in an earthly perspective, that's in a heavenly perspective. When the king sends his own son, there's something about that that changes everything. And so here he is. So now the donkeys of Kish, he says, look, I, I need you to go look for that. So here's what happens. They're going out. They've crossed the lands. Remember, they're in the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe right there. So they get to this other lands up. And Saul says to his servant who was with him, come, let us go back, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and becomes anxious. The word anxious there better translates as worries. So he says, look, we got to go back. Or my dad just going to quit worrying about the donkeys. He's going to worry about us. I know it's a very simple sentence, but get this. Do you know what you read in that? How close the son was to knowing the heart and spirit of the father. How close the son was to knowing the heart and spirit of the father. Now get this. Isn't that what God wants for us? Isn't that what God wants for his daughters? Isn't that what God wants for his sons? That we're so close, we know the heart and spirit of God. That that's where we're at in his presence. Right? We know what our father wants and thinks of us because we're that close to our daddy. So he said, now remember this, because this is the Holy Spirit, and who had it come to first? Saul, all right? And then he goes on to say this, but he said to him, behold, there is a man of God in this city. They're coming up to a city they've never been. He is a man of honor, and all that he says comes true. It's this prophet, a guy named Samuel. He says, so let us go there now. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. You think they really didn't know the way? There's something about that that left their heart open and hungry for this divine encounter because they knew there was something more to this trip. By the way, whether you're watching on our channels here, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or the podcast later, or you're sitting here, whether it's first service here, here, you may have think, you may be thinking you just came to church today. Could I tell you there's more to it and God wants to speak to you? And that God has a plan for you. Our pastor told us he's got a purpose for you to fulfill and a destiny to embrace. You're here for a reason today. It's not by accident. But then Saul said to his servant, but if we go there, what can we bring this man? Now there's two aspects. For our bread and our sacks is gone and there is no present to bring the man of God. I want you to remember two things here. One, the bread's gone. They have nothing to eat. They're done. Okay. Here's the other thing, but nothing to bring to the man. It was customary in that day. What we do here at Passionate Life Church is biblical. This is the storehouse where God tells us to bring our tithes and our offerings here, okay? doesn't say it's the only thing you give, but we've got to focus tithes and offering. Some of you, I just lost you when you said that because you think it's about the money. It's time, talent, treasures. Let's get that right. But he says in those days, it was customary that they would bring an offering to the prophet who would speak to them because there wasn't a structured church. By the time we get to the New Testament with Saul, the other one, right, that was Paul of Tarsus. You remember the churches, the church of Philippi, they would send him offerings for his ministry. So you see the transition biblically of what's taken place. But he says, we don't have anything to give him and we don't have any food. 
What do we have? Now get this. The servant answered Saul again, and he says, but, you know, here, I've got a quarter shekel of silver, and I'll give it to the man of God who... I'm going, think about this. The son of the king doesn't have anything, and the servant did, and God had positioned this servant through his dad. Now let me tell you, as a dad, I'm thinking if my son's going out, I'm kind of looking at pastor and and they're going, they're going to send their son with somebody. I kind of look at this man right here and I'm going, here's a conversation he'd have with the person and a conversation I'd have. If something happens to my boy, there's not a place on earth you can run to that I won't find you. And see, what we get is the picture that it's not just a servant, take one of the servants. This is a bodyguard who's on a mission with the son of the king. Got this thing? Am I right, Pastor? Somebody hurts one of those boys of yours. There is not any place on this world that person can hide, is there? And there's men here that will go with you. That's a really cool part, and I'm one of them. So, okay, bottom, don't, even, don't even think about that much further. Just know, okay? Do anything to my pastor, and pain will be your least worry, okay? So bottom line is he's got him there, but he's got the silver, right? And he says, kind of take care of this if you need it. So what happens then is they've got something to give. So they go to this town, and when they get there in this town, go ahead. What happens next is they go up and they find Samuel, who's coming down. And you can read all the details, but as they walk up, the first thing Samuel says to them, now remember what the Holy Spirit put on Saul's? What did they have to do? Turn and go because what? My dad will quit worrying about the donkeys and start worrying about me. What's the first thing Samuel said? They've never met, and, and Saul, okay, has never been in this little town. He said, but as for the donkeys that were lost, they've been three days ago. Three days ago. That's how long they've been. Anything happen in three days? Well, on this day, I will recall. Well, that's a lot, of, a lot of sermons with three days, right? But just remember, God uses that. And three days ago, they were lost, but they've been found. And what was the worry there? He'll quit worrying. Now, some translations go on and expand that and say, but now your father worries about you, which is exactly what God had put on, put on the heart there and so forth. And it is not for you and all your father's house. And then he goes on to tell him this. What happens here is there's a gap between that 9 and 10, and he invites them to dinner. Remember, they had no food and so forth. And the next day, he's sending them off and telling them the way to go. And he tells Sam, or tells Saul, send your servant ahead of you a little bit. Just send him ahead of you. I want to talk to you. And here's what he does. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and he poured it on his head and he kissed him and said, now get this, has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people? Prince? It's the first time the word was used in that scriptures there in that series. A prince is what? A son of a king, isn't it? And you see, it, it comes back to say, you're a daughter of the king. You're a daughter of the king. You're a son of the king. All of us in here, by God's design, are his very own. He knew us before he created us, right? You got to listen to last week's. Please, please do. And listen to the purpose because he created you with a purpose and a destiny to fulfill your purpose and embrace your destiny, right? And so he poured it on and he called him a son of the king. And he says, you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you. The Lord has anointed you to be what? Prince. He says it again to make sure Saul gets it. You are a son of the king, and each one of us. And then he goes on to tell him this. He said, now, 
Here's some instructions for you. When you depart from me today, you're going to meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin, right, at Zelza. So he's getting him back home. He's giving him a path. And they will say to you, what? Wow. The donkeys that you went to seek are found, and now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worried about you, saying, what do I do about my son? God is a confirming God. God is a confirming God. And we've got to understand, you're part of the family here. Billy and I make decisions, and something will be on my heart or her heart. And when it comes together, God is going to use His Spirit, if it's the right thing, that He confirms in us and our kids. This church here, Passionate Life Church, is your home as a family to be able to say, when God is calling and He puts stuff on your heart, and I've told people, people said, well, God's calling me to do this and this. And I said, have you spoken to your pastor? He goes, well, no, 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 he wouldn't understand. And I said, well, then either you're in the wrong church or he is because my pastor understands. Okay? And when God gives me a decision to make, and I will tell you now, this is our home church, when God says we're going to direct the ministry or do this or whatever, then I'm coming to my pastor. But I will also tell you this, in a church like this, a prayer partner that you will see up here, the prayer code, to say this is what? God is a confirming God. Okay? So then, keep going. So then he tells him this. And then you'll go from there a little further, right? And you will come to the Oak of Tabor, three men going up to God at Bethel, will meet you there. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying skin of wine. They will greet you, and they will give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from their hand. Now let's go back. They didn't have any food, did they? They didn't have provision. God, when we are obedient, God confirms it. Did you get that? And God provides for us. I've heard people say, well, you know, I know God's calling me to this, this, or this, but I can't do that now because I don't have the finances for it, I, this and that. I say, well, if God's calling you to, you need to really have it confirmed, step out in faith. God's a providing God, and God will meet your every need. He will meet your every need. When you are in obedience with God and what He has confirmed for you to do, He will meet your need. He will provide for you. And this is one right here. He says, two loaves of bread. And it says they were right there close coming in. That, that's exactly what they needed to get home to daddy's house. He provided exactly what they needed to get home to daddy's house. I can't tell you the times in our ministry God has provided exactly what was needed on the day that it was needed. And you've got to trust God for his provision in our life. And then he tells them this. He says, and that you will go to Gibeah Elohim, and where there a garrison of Philistines. I love this. Because when you see what God's going to do and explode His gifts, He does it at the foot of the enemies, right in the enemy's camp, right where the enemy thinks they have control. And God's going to show His power there. And He says, there, as soon as you come to that city, you're going to meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. And then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. You will prophesy with them, and you will be turned into a new man. And then it goes on to say this. And when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs have passed. In that previous scripture, what did he say there? He exploded his gifts. Out of obedience, right, is where it started, with the little things, looking for donkeys. It started with obedience. God gave him a word, and God confirmed that word. God brought him to a divine encounter, a divine appointment, right? And then being obedient, God provided for him, Confirmed, provided, and what did he do? Exploded the gifts inside of him. And again, I just tell you, 
to really understand all of this in this series, this reason to run. You've got to go back and take the time to look at it. If you want to see what God wants to do in your life, then invest in that and go look, particularly last week, at that purpose. Okay? And so then he says, it all came to pass. He was faithful. He did these things. And it all came to pass. And he was turned. Gave him a new heart. He was turned into a new man. He was transformed. The new man was gone. He gave him a new spirit. Okay? Here's our pathway here. What's that first word? Wow, am I wearing you out? Try it again. Thank you. Everything starts with obedience. When we're obedient in the small, God will trust us with the great. If we refuse to be obedient in the small, God can't trust us because we'll be disobedient in the bigger things, no matter what we say and lie about. God confirms in His Spirit. This church here, our prayer team, our pastors, we have a team here that prays with us and hears from God. Don't miss that. God provides for us just like He did. God explodes the gifts, transformation, and what's it do? It leads us from our purpose to embrace our destiny. Now, I want to take you back to a scripture a little earlier on this, okay? And on this scripture a little earlier, it says this, About this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Now, this is telling here to Samuel, because as he came into the town, he's not from there. So you remember that encounter with Saul coming up? And where Samuel said to him, the donkeys you've been looking for have been found, and now your father. But there was something else to this. You see, the day before, Samuel was given a mission by God to be obedient. And he was to go to this town, and he said, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, right? And you shall anoint him to be prince, right, over my people Israel. Very often people tell me, they said, but you know, Chuck, I, I struggle reading the Old Testament too. I mean, I, you know, the New Testament, red letters, and that's good, and all of that. But the Old Testament, I just struggle with because it doesn't really have application, you know, in our lives, all right? Now, I want to take you through this, and I want you to remember this story here when he was told this. Tomorrow, about this time, I'm going to send you a man which you will anoint as a prince over the land, right? 1992, uh, God uh, called upon... Uh, it was 91, and this idea, early 92, and God said, you know, to do a ministry in a local church we were in in Virginia. You know, I tell people, we have these things, and you go tell your wife, and you're expecting these pearls of wisdom, and then you, she just says something outlandish, you know, like she's not even hearing from God. And I told Billy, because I was coaching two soccer teams for our kids, and we had a small group, we're attending church, we've got these things, and then I'm working in the Pentagon on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, in current operations, so I wasn't busy there either. That was just pretty much sitting back, relaxing. And uh, bottom line, so I told Billy, you know, God kind of put it on my heart to launch this men's ministry with our sons, generations, and so forth. And then she comes up with these crazy things. She says, well, let's just sit and pray about it. Where does that come from? Where's the wisdom I need to say? That would probably be good the next place we go, you know? We can tell you some of these things. But then right after that, um, about two weeks later, we were reading a Charisma magazine on something else, and there was this story about this thing called Promise Keepers that was starting here in Colorado, had started, and now it's 92, and this guy, Bill McCartney, and why would I care about that? I'm a Nebraska fan. He's Colorado, right? But they're starting this ministry, but everything they said about it was exactly what I had told to Billy earlier to pray about. I mean, no confirmation in that, is there? Okay, so we go through this process, and a little bit later, my wife says to me, 
She says, so what would you like to do when you retire? And I asked her, I said, do you know something I don't know? I mean, we got another couple of years here, another three more years in the States. So we got, we're five years away. And she's asking me about retirement and so forth. And I said, well, interesting thing is, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like for promise keepers to expand across the nation. Give me a set of states that I would be, you know, develop the ministry in. That's what I'd like to do. She looked at me and said, that'd be perfect for you, Chuck. That'd be perfect. She said, are they doing that? I said, no, they're in Colorado. That's all they're doing is Colorado. I'm just telling you what's on my heart. So we get through that. In 1994, in January, a little article in Charisma Magazine says, Promise Keepers is expanding across the United States. She hands me that article, but we've still got another at least four years in the military. And I said, that's nice. We'll see what they do. Two weeks later, I got a phone call that said, you're, you're to retire from the, the Army after 23 years. So I sent a resume to Promise Keepers. And with all the stuff going on, this is a long time ago. It wasn't the current technology. From Rome, Italy, it got through. And I was sent over here on a trip. I actually went by and had an interview there, but they couldn't make any decisions. Everything was up in the air. August 15th, 1994. Uh, we walked into the Promise Keeper offices. We were sent there, and there was a couple of people we were told to see. We saw the first one, really offered us a position in conferencing, but I said, there's this guy named Rick Kingham that I'm supposed to see. Chuck Lane walked us down the hall. Now get this, the man that was coming through the door because he had spoken in Indianapolis the night before and just flown in was a guy named Rick Kingham. And he's coming through the door and he met us in the hallway. And Chuck Lane says, Chuck, I, uh, Rick, I've got a couple of people that need to see you. And they, uh, he said, put them in my office. He walked up to a map, and I think it's the same map I got from Promise Keepers. It's in my office now. And we had this hour-long conversation. Then he began to explain there were seven regions now. And he said, yeah, and he puts his hand on it. This region here, I've got northeast was Doc Reed, and he flew to Virginia. And he walks through six of the regions just like that. And he tells me exactly who he hired there and so forth. And then he gets to this region here. I said, when are you prepared to hire for that region, Rick? And he says, well, he says, Chuck, you need to know, and Billy's sitting right next to me in the office. I fasted for two weeks before God confirmed the name, sent me out, specifically flying to six places to hire six men. I knew exactly who they were. He said, but for this reason here, region here, God told me to come back to the office, and he would send me a man. And when I saw that man, I would know that was the man God had sent for that region. Rick Kingham stood at the, at the map with his back to us. And Billy and I were holding hands sitting on the couch. He walked from that map and he sat down and he sat in his chair, still very quiet. And then he turns to me and he says, you are that man. A few minutes later, Billy and I in prayer with Rick Kingham agreed to be the regional director for the South Central region over seven states that God had put on my heart two years earlier that Billy had confirmed would be right, and we walked through the whole thing. And God put us on a journey, and he took us to that office, and he brought Rick back and said, go to your office. I will send you a man, and you will know who that man is. Now, I tell you that. Please don't tell me there's anything in God's Word that doesn't have relevance for today. 
Please don't tell me that the Old Testament is just some stories, but they can't really relate to your life. Please don't tell me that God's Word that was written through the Holy Spirit in the lives of men is not relevant for today to guide us in every step of the way that it's not a love letter from my dad in heaven. You got that? Because I will tell you this. Everything in this Bible is real and it's true. And that's why you're in this church today. That's why you're here today. I will tell you, time-wise, our son, when we, he was in, uh, he had come in seventh grade. God put it on his heart to go on a missions trip. He was 13 years old. My wife helped me understand the ages of our kids at the right times. He was 13 years old, and he prayed, and he said there were three countries. One was Ghana, Africa, two others just as far away. I flew to Knoxville, Tennessee to speak there, and the guy that picked me up was a good friend. I told him about it and how's family and that, and he said, he's going to Ghana. I said, what? He says, he's going to Ghana, Africa. I said, you're kidding. Why do you know this? He said, I'm just telling you. It wasn't long after that, I was in another state that God had given me to be a servant in, in Alabama. And a guy now down there, and we talked about it. I gave him the three, and he says, he's going to Ghana, Africa. I said, seriously, it's two. I'm in the slow reading group. I said, seriously, Ghana, Africa, and why did you say that? He said, that's what God told me to tell you. Your son is going to Ghana, Africa in a few months, and all the funds will be there for him to do that. He says, oh, by the way, the king of Ghana is not a Christian, but his brother is a Christian, and he's a personal friend of mine. I will call him and let him know your son is going to be in country on those dates, and I will get his personal cell phone to give to your son that if there are anything that he needs help with, he can call the prince of the entire country, the brother to the king. Now, I don't know if our son ever used that number to call him. I know he didn't use anything to call his mother for three weeks there, and that is not a great story. You can talk to her about that, but I don't want to be near when you do. You got that? And he says, and oh, by the way, he says, the Jesus Project that produced the Jesus films, he says, there's one VHS tape in their primary language of the Jesus story. He says, and I've got that. He says, I'll put that in the mail and send it to you and give it to you for son. When our son went to Ghana, Africa, how do you think we knew he was supposed to go there? He goes to Ghana, Africa. And what happens there is he gives it to the missionary that was supporting them. The missionary broke down and started bawling. He said, we'd known that there was a copy, but we didn't know where it was and we didn't know how to get it. But God told him someone would bring it to him. And on that day, it was in his hands. So we're all part of a divine plan with divine connections, and we've got to do our part. So what happens next is very simple here. Destiny began with looking for a few stinking donkeys. Here's my question for you. Will you fulfill your purpose, and embrace your destiny? Or will you lose it because you're not obedient? It starts with obedience in the smallest of things. Let me show you where to start on this thing here very quickly. Okay, next slide. Okay, here's where to start on this thing. Make weekend services a priority. Make weekend services here a priority. This needs to be at the center of it in one form or another. Second thing, be a part of a life group. You saw Matt up there. He's worked so hard on our life groups, so hard. Go to our Welcome Center. Go online. It is not too late to get into that, but get in a life group where you can continue to get fed. Sit so next, you've got to go through the growth track. You have to go through it. 
look, let me just tell you, Billy and I have been a part of other churches who we have been part of all their classes and everything. Billy and I have gone through the growth track here. It is important for you to do that. Just that simple. And that prepares you then. Number four is to serve. You've got to have a place where God is using you. Every one of you have gifts, talents, things that you can do to make a difference in the family. We say in a family, everyone gets served and everyone gets to serve. That is this church at PLC. Okay? So the answer here is very simple. You've got to run. Why? To fulfill your purpose. And you run to embrace your God-given destiny. Pastor, can I ask you to step up, sir? And I'm just going to tell you, you're where you're supposed to be. This is a divine appointment. This is a divine appointment. Don't miss it and learn to be obedient in the smallest of things. Thank you, sir.